everyone. Today on What's My Frame, I'm joined by choreographer Marguerite Derricks. I've been a fan of Marguerite's exceptional work for years. Throughout her career, she has seamlessly woven choreography, dialogue, and storytelling into projects like The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Austin Powers, Glow, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, Netflix revival of Gilmore Girls, Little Miss Sunshine, American Horror Story, and 13 Going on 30 to just name a few. Today, Marguerite shares how her career started as a dancer, the people along the way that helped open doors, and became her creative family. She shares insight into her creative process, her award-winning winners on Maisel, and how she helped shape the world of Cirque du Soleil in Vegas. Marguerite is truly an inspiration and a shining example of how talent, unparalleled work ethic, innovative ideas, and being a collaborative creative will not just succeed, but thrive in this industry. Please join me in welcoming Marguerite Derricks to the show. Hello, thank you so much for joining us on What's My Frame, Marguerite. I'm so happy to be here. I know it is a very loaded question, but could you please start us off with your journey into choreography and just into entertainment in general, what drew you into it, how you got to where you are today? Sure, um, it started in Buffalo, New York. My mom put me in ballet class when I was four or five years old and I'm just really, you know, thinking I wanted to be a ballerina. And I um, moved to New York when I was uh, 19 or 20 and quickly discovered that I didn't really quite have the ballerina body. So I said, oh, well, I'll try Broadway. And um, so I started, you know, taking some vocal classes, not really, like just once, like I would take one right before an audition. And I would always make it past all of the, uh, the cuts, the dancer cuts, and then it would be time to sing. And that wasn't working. So here I was in New York, like the ballet thing didn't quite work out. The voice thing wasn't happening. You know, what, what am I going to do? And a friend of mine who was, um, you know, a little bit older than me, kind of was like my big brother in New York called me one night and said, Debbie Allen is looking for one girl um, for the TV show Fame. And he said, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., go to the Minskoff Theater. It's a private audition. And I went to the audition and there were 80 girls in the room. And I danced for my life because I, it was like, this is it. Like, this is, I have to get this job. And um, we auditioned for a couple of hours and then Debbie said, okay, you guys are done. I know who I want. And I was walking home. I lived in Hell's Kitchen, with, which wasn't the beautiful Hell's Kitchen it is now. And I, I was walking to my apartment and as I was getting to my door, the phone was ringing and it was Debbie. And she's like, oh, I'm so sorry to tell you, you got the job. And I, I lost it. I ran down the street and um, it's so funny. I'm telling the story because I just talked to him yesterday. I ran down the street and Sophisticated Ladies was on Broadway and I'm really good friends with Maurice Hines. And I went, ran to the theater and opened the stage door and I just started screaming for Maurice to come down. But he already knew because Debbie had called him to tell him that I was going to get this job. 
And um, so then I moved to, to LA. Like I, I was shot in New York for a week on the streets of New York, all of those iconic, you know, PK turns at Lincoln Center. We did all of that. And then I, I moved to New York and I got to play a ballerina on the show and I got to sing. <laughs> so I always like, I'm a teacher at heart. So I always tell my dancers, um, you know, don't stop dreaming. It just might come a little bit different in the package. And I, I was, I danced on this show for about a year and a half and I met this guy and I got pregnant and we got married and I had to tell Debbie I was pregnant and to my surprise and to my good fortune, Debbie was pregnant too. So she was very understanding. She let me leave the show. I went and had my son and I came back and finished that season. And then I realized like, I'm a mother now. I, I need to be a boss. <laughs> like it was this whole, this whole coming of age thing. I think I was 23 years old. So here I am, like, I need to be a boss. So I finished out that season of fame. And then I started teaching dance with the, with my eye on choreography. Okay. And I, for about a year, a year, year and a half, I taught like classes at all these little studios. Nobody knew really who I was. I didn't have a name. Um, and I, started assisting Debbie Allen and Otis Salid, who was uh, a great choreographer that was her assistant on Fame. Mm -hmm. And through assisting them, people started kind of eyeballing me. Because yeah. I, you know, here's this little blonde who's bossy, gets everybody to listen to her. And so they, uh, they started, you know, some of the producers started calling me to choreograph videos. And I started choreographing all of these like indie videos for Virgin Records. And I was, you know, I started doing like a ton of music videos. And that was kind of like my, my college of choreography. Like that's where I got to learn like the camera and filmmaking. And then I started doing some commercials. And then in 1993, at the end of 1993, I called my agent and I said, if I don't get a movie this year, I'm just going to die. Like I just knew I needed to step it up. And um, they were, Paul Verhoeven was seeing choreographers for Showgirls, but he wouldn't see me because I didn't have any film credits. And I, like I said, I was always teaching and I had this teen company that I was working with. And my agent called me and said, Ivan Reitman uh, is looking for a choreographer for his daughter's bar mitzvah, bat mitzvah. Will you do it? And, you know, I'm like, it's Ivan Reitman. Of course I'll do it. So I started training his daughter, Catherine Reitman, and um, I used my 30 dancers and I created this number where she was like a superstar. And so when we performed it at the Bat Mitzvah, Danny DeVito was there, Arnold Schwarzenegger was there, Emma Thompson was there because Ivan was shooting the movie Junior. All of these celebrities were there and Ivan and his wife were so blown away at the size of the number that I did, not just giving his daughter a dance number, but creating this, like, she was like, you know, a superstar. And the next day, Ivan called and said, I have a scene with, with Emma and Arnold in the movie Junior, do you want to do it? And I was like, yeah. And my agent called Paul Verhoeven's office and said, Marguerite Derricks just worked with Ivan Reitman. So they gave me a meeting and I got Showgirls. And it was this huge contract, this huge movie. And um, 
I, that was like my training ground. I, it was very intense. My eye twitched for two and a half months because Paul shot all my rehearsals and then I would get called up to the office and we would go frame by frame by frame by frame. So um, it, was, it was like an incredible experience. And then everything, like it burst open from there. I, I went from showgirls to striptease with Demi and I worked with, I, I worked on the film and, you know, they both of the films got just hammered by the press, you know, so everybody was kind of whispering, oh, she, she ruined her career by doing two strip movies in a row. And the next call I got was from uh, the producers from Austin Powers. And I met with Mike Myers and we've had, had an 18 year relationship after that doing movies and movies and movies. And, but in Austin Powers, there was a scene in the first movie where Mike strips for the, the fembots. And I used all the moves from Demi Moore and Elizabeth Berkeley to make fun of myself. I had Mike do it. Yeah. And so from that, from Austin Powers, that was it. My career just exploded, but that's kind of <laughs> how it started, which is, so different than you know what, what I would have ever dreamed of as a kid, you know that that would take that kind of route. That a bat mitzvah would change my life, and I I did. Um, Ivan called me about five or six or seven years ago to do No Strings Attached with um, Ashton Kutcher and uh, um, gosh Natalie Portman, and um, Catherine came to the set. And she said, I still remember the moves. And she was doing the moves. And I got a chance to tell Ivan, because I always thought of him as like my godfather. And I like, as a, I was like a goon, I almost cried. And I told him what his hiring me for junior did for my career, that he really did jumpstart my career. And I think he was very proud about that. I, absolutely. And the 90s, what you accomplished in the 90s, because I believe you had three Austin Powers movies that came out in the 90s or two. It, it, was, yeah. it was a career in and of itself that you had in two thirds of the 90s. Like it was, it blows my mind when just looking through your IMDb. Yeah. <laughs> I was always doing like two or three movies at a time. Like I just never stopped. Yeah. And I, I a lot of comedy, which was so great and just so much fun. Yes, I actually wanted to talk about that. Um, we, can, we can actually jump over there. You've done two films, am I correct, with Will Ferrell, or have you done more? Oh, I've done more. I did um, Step Brothers. The campaign, and your campaign, um, semi-pro. Okay. I was on the set for Talladega Nights, but I never had to do anything, but I was flown down there to be on set with him for that. Those four, I, I felt like there was a fifth, but those four, yeah, with Will. So how does choreographing for comedy, especially with a comedian and an actor giant like Will Ferrell, differ from, say, your work on Mr. and Mrs. Smith? It's interesting. <laughs> what I learned from Mike Myers, working mm -hmm. with Mike, is I never tried to be funny. I tried to make it as good as possible because I knew, like, look, I was, I've been working with all these A-list comedians, and it's really interesting how seriously they take their work. Yeah. So, you know, Mike, we, Mike taught me about finding ridiculous moves. Like he would come in and he goes, oh my God, I saw this ballroom competition and the girl, you know, like she was like clamping her legs on his thigh. And so I took that and I had him, um, him on Heather, uh, Heather, um, 
Heather Graham. Thank you. I, I had him, I had him on Heather Graham doing the ladies part on Heather Graham's thigh for the second Austin Powers. So he taught me like to find these really real things and how to make it funny by flipping it around. So what I loved about Will, I think semi-pro was my third time being on set with him. Mm -hmm. And um, I did this number, Andre 3000 was in it and Woody Harrelson and I had these guys and they all, all had these ridiculous outfits on. And I gave them choreography um, and they were, I was drilling them like they were the, gonna be the best dance team in the world. And Will came down and he had this big sun outfit on and he was sitting on, we were in a gym cause it was a basketball thing. And he was sitting on the sideline and the director was trying to get me to do sticky stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm not into that. That's not, I don't find it funny. I, I actually don't. And I was resisting it and Will uh, chimed in and he goes, no, no. What she's doing is hilarious because they're taking it so seriously. Yeah. And they had these crazy costumes on and, you know, Will, I, I just, in that moment, I fell in love with him because he was, he's kind of a quiet guy. Like then when he saw me again for the campaign, it's like we had a connection, yeah. uh, but it was, I, I knew that this comedy that I learned from Mike was the, the right way to go, was just to take it super seriously and make it like the better they do it, the funnier it is. When you're trying to be funny, not so good. So I, I, I would say that I, I approach everything almost the same way, but I do always have in the back of my mind, oh, this move, I know this comedian and he could really make this move funny. I worked a lot with Cedric the Entertainer and he could really move. And I just knew like, like they, they bring the funny, they bring the funny. I'm sure that you have worked with countless celebrities that had rhythm that surprised you. And I'm sure that also, as a, as a former dancer myself, I, I know that some people just need to artistically move a chair about the stage. Like some people just don't, don't have that like natural dancer ability. Has there been an actor you've worked with that really surprised you and how just naturally talented they were as a dancer? A lot of them do actually, especially the comedians. I find the comedians are very comfortable with physical movement. Yeah. Um, I think Cedric was like, just an amazing mover, Mike, because you know he, you know he he watches so much, but and he just, you know, all of a sudden he'll pull out a little West Side Story, you know, um, and I worked with Tobey Maguire, okay, um, and, on Spider Man Three, and Toby did not the way the script was originally written, it was um, supposed to be like a break dancing scene, which was god awful. And he didn't want to do it and he was super resistant to it and you know i was going down the path that the script is saying and for sam raimi and then one day i brought a chair in and i started giving toby some fred astaire gene kelly moves and he whoa that was it for him so we changed the whole scene around and he was really good and toby actually after the movie he continued taking private dance classes from some of my assistants for years. Like he really loved dancing. And I remember the first day when I went into the meeting, he's like, I don't want to do this. Like he didn't want to dance. But when I showed him more of the classic stuff, he was really into it. Now, 
I have to ask about the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. You've been choreographing with them for all three seasons. And honestly, some of your one shots that you have weaved the choreography into the dialogue and these, these cameras, it's some of honestly the most beautiful I've ever seen on screen. They're just breathtaking. But first I wanna see how you got involved with the show and working with Amy and Dan, and then we'll, we'll go into the show in a little more detail. Okay, well, thank you for saying that because I'm very proud of the, the, the pas de deux between the camera and the dance. And it's just my favorite thing to do. Um, I met Amy and Dan um, uh, for Bunheads. So um, that's the first time I met Amy. Um, and I, I did Bunheads with them. And then uh, we just, they are my favorite people in the world to, to work with, like seriously. And I work with so many people that I love so hard, but I love them the hardest. And then they brought me in for the reboot of Gilmore Girls. Uh, and then when Maisel came out, she, you know, Amazon always does a pilot and they put the pilot up and see how it tests. And I remember her sending me um, a uh, uh, text message going, have you seen the pilot of Maisel? She goes, I want to get it moving. And I watched the pilot, I loved it. And so each season we move it more and more and more, you know? Um, so that's, that's my relationship with them. So I've been working with them for eight years now and it is just, I can't wait. We're, we're supposed to do season four soon. I'm waiting to, you know, hear when we go back, but it's just, um, I, I did a couple of all in one takes. I won my, first Emmy on Third Rock in the Sun doing a one -er. Um, And I did a Gap Go-Go commercial that was all in one take. Yes. And those two, you know, that, you know, the Gap Go-Go commercial made me famous for 15 minutes, right? Like everybody wanted to talk about that commercial, but it's really about when you shoot dance like that, it's magical. Yeah. And so we did a lot of those one on Bunheads um, and even in Gilmore. So to be on a show, knowing that that's how we shoot everything, it's just, I know even the simplest of movement that I do is going to be magical because of the way we, it, it's all like, I know what the camera's doing. There's a scene in uh, season three where it's a, a water ballet. And I met with Amy a month before I went to rehearsals and we, with the music, I knew exactly where the camera was going to go. So I knew the choreography of the camera. And then I go in and I put the choreography of the movement and I know exactly where that camera is going to go. And I know what beat it's going to be on. So it's really fun and interesting um, to do it like that. And it, it, it really, uh, I'm spoiled because I hope that I, like it's, it's going to be hard to cut anything up after that. Um, the other trick about Maisel is like there's a scene in, season two where we're at the Catskills and Midge goes on the floor to do an initial dance and it's nine pages of dialogue and she runs onto the floor and she dances with 11 different partners. Remember that scene? So when you have nine pages of dialogue, you're not hearing any music. Exactly. So all of that dance, that whole scene, and I, Dan, Dan directed that episode and he told me that I didn't have to do a one -er. But 
I had a month before we shot it, I had a rehearsal with all the dancers and um, Amy and Dan came down and I showed them what I was doing. Yeah. And um, Dan said, like I walked him halfway through and Dan said, oh, this is a one-er, right? And I said, yeah, I'm so trained to do a one-er that yes, it's a one-er. When I did it on set, we could never play the music because Rachel had to do dialogue. and I. I, I taught it to Rachel a month before we shot it. Mm -hmm. And then she was so busy, I never got to see her again until we were shooting. Wow. So a month later, she has to remember not only nine pages of dialogue, but where on the floor those 11 partners were and what the choreography is. And she like had this look and she's like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I said, oh no, you know what you're doing. Cause I know Rachel so well, she's a G. She is a true genius. And she went out and I pushed the camera guy around and we got that shot and every single time she nailed it. And the dancers have to listen to the dialogue. Mm. So they, we have earwigs for some of the dancers, the key dancers that need to know because there's certain key words as opposed to beats in the music that they have to hit things. So. It's really tricky, but it's deliciously fun. Oh, it's really fun. It is breathtaking to watch. Oh, thank you. Melded with, you know, Amy's brilliant writing and just oh, yeah. dialogue and Rachel's acting and then the costumes and the light, just all of it blended together. I mean, we could all watch how many more seasons of Maisel. Like oh, thank you. It's unlike really anything that's on TV right now. And I think the choreography, I've seen it you know, grow each season and it's been amazing. I'm blinking on what it would be, but like um, the show for the troops. Oh, the USO show, yeah. And that kick line and those costumes and everything. And I wanted to actually talk to you about that from the choreographer's perspective, because you're really the only one in this position. Um, from seeing the dancers in the rehearsal period and working with them for, you know, days or weeks on end, learning this choreography, knowing the show so well, what is it like seeing your work in full costume, hair and makeup, with all the lights? Like, does it still take your breath away? Absolutely. I like, cause Donna, our costume designer is like, oh my God. And the lighting and the way they shoot it. It's, it's uh, every day I go to the set, it's like, you know, Christmas morning, you know, like, oh my God, you know, I, I can't wait to see you know, what, they're, what they look like and, you know, how, like watching the monitor. It's just so magical. It's just so magical. Do you have, and I'm sure it's hard to pick, but do you have a favorite piece for an episode of Maisel? And then we'll move on to all of your other wonderful projects. But well, I think my favorite piece um, is at the Apollo Theater. I did a solo for this beautiful Black woman, Rajanae, who Amy and I found on um, Bunheads. And Amy at the beginning of the season said, we have to find something special for Rajanae. Mm -hmm. So she wrote that piece just for Rajanae. Um, so I, I, I think that that made it super special, but yeah, I love so much of it. Choreographing for stage, TV, film, commercials, music videos. What has been your most challenging project to date creatively? I did the Goodwill Games in um, 1998 and I, I won an Emmy for it. Um, I just remember it was so big. <laughs> I remember going down to the, uh, we were, had a meeting because the stage was going to be built in front of the, like by the World Trade Center. 
which was standing at the time. And I remember um, I met the producer. Uh, I did a, a, a special with Mike Myers. Um, and the producers called me and, and said, will you do the Goodwill Games? And I remember going down and there were blueprints outside. I, I, we were by the World Trade Center and the blueprints were on the ground and they were talking about the set and the dance. And it was gonna be this 15 minute piece that Frank Wildhorn was writing the, composing the music and there was gonna be an 80 piece orchestra on stage and I'd have 30 dancers. And I just remember like looking down at the blueprints and my stomach just like turning like, oh my God, like what, you know, like, what is this going to be? It just seemed so big at the time for me. And I had 15 dancers from LA because I always like to travel with people that I know. 15 dancers from LA flew to New York and I hired 15 dancers in New York. So I brought both coasts together and um, created this monster. It was a 15 minute piece. Um, and it had a, it opened with a, like a, kind of a, a bossy style, you know, um, and it had a, a Latin section, it had a tap section, it had like a modern jazz section in it. And then um, I did a opening number with the BB and CC whining and um, I had dancers from the Alvin Ailey school. I mean, it was just, it was huge. Oh. It, it was just so much, it was such a big undertaking. So I think creatively at, at that felt like, but it turned out so beautifully. Um, yeah, it was great, but it was, it felt like a lot of pressure. <laughs> I understand what you said. Well, that's interesting that you say, because so you, do you try to bring in a few of your dancers into as much of your work as production will allow so that you have some familiar with your, your teaching style and your choreography and things like that? Always, even for Maisel, like I have dance LA dancers sleeping on people's couches all the time. I, I, yeah, I always, you know, and I, now I'm getting to know a lot of the New York dancers, which is great, but yeah. And I, I'm, I am a preparation queen. Like I work everything out. I don't get there and create, like I go there and it's already done. Mm -hmm. So I like to create in my comfort zone with my, the people that I, that know me, they just know how I work. We get it done really fast. Um, so yeah, I always make sure that I have that. Yeah. Amazing. Now, in your career, I'm sure you have influenced countless young dancers and choreographers going on, but who actually maybe mentored you or shaped oh. your work starting out? Debbie Allen. Debbie Allen. She is my, she's still a very big part of my life. She's like family to me. Um, she hired me on my first job. I got to watch Debbie uh, grow as a, from a choreographer, a star choreographer to a director and a producer. Um, I got to watch Debbie be a very strong woman on set when that was not really, you know, back in the eighties, that was not a thing. And um, she was my guiding light and she still is. I look at what Debbie's doing to this day and I, I just admire her so much. Um, you know, I, 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 anytime she calls and asks a favor, I, I do it um, because she gave me, she, she gave me my, that job that I needed to get started. And 
she, you know, she just, she's been such a great support to me through my whole career. And um, I just, I just, she's continually inspiring me. She's unbelievable. Everyone that I've ever heard speak about is Ivy. It's just, it's nothing but so many compliments and just the deepest level of respect for her. Yeah. Now, we all landed in quarantine this spring a little abruptly. What are some projects that you're excited to get back to work on when uh, we're all clear to do so? Well, obviously, Maisel. We were, you know, originally slated to start in June. Um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to going back to season four of Maisel. I was on my first day of season four of GLOW when they called us, when we got to set, they called us to the side, all the cast and crew and told us that Netflix was going to shut down for two weeks. <laughs> no, yeah, it was only two weeks um, that we were shutting down. Um, so we were on day one of season four of, of GLOW. So I, you know, I, I love them so much and I've been with GLOW since season one as well. Um, so I'll, I'll be happy to go back to GLOW. And then I was starting an unscripted or an untitled scripted show for ABC that was supposed to start three days later. Um, and I had already like prepped it and choreographed it. Um, so we'll see if that, you know, I hope that that still comes back. And then I, um, I'm hoping, I, I worked on a new show for Amazon that uh, I think I finished all my work middle of January, it's called Them. Okay. And it's crazy, <laughs> it's crazy. Um, so I, I hope that when they go to season two that they need my services again because I did some really crazy fun stuff. It's a horror oh. show. Yeah, it's, it's intense and um, I got to do some really mad cool stuff on the show. So um, I'm excited for people to see it and I hope I get to go back and do season two. Oh, I haven't even heard about this one. I'm excited to check that out. I, I would love to talk about your work with Cirque du Soleil. You've done two shows with them, but my personal favorite, Marev, truly breathtaking. Like I was re-watching some clips of that and- Thank you. It, it blows my mind the way that you worked with the water and it just, you had exceptional dancers, obviously, to work with, but still, your choreography took it so far and beyond other Cirque du Soleil shows. So, how did you get brought into the Cirque family? Um, what was it like doing a Vegas show? Because that's everything's just a little bit more elevated and grandiose there. I feel yes. like <laughs> it's it's interesting because I've always had my eye on Vegas. Um, when I worked with that teen company that I talk about that I used Ivan's daughter for, I remember uh, they would go to like conventions and I like in Las Vegas and I would be teaching there. And I remember uh, one of my students, we were in a cab driving to some something. And I, I, I remember looking out the window going, I want to do big shows here. I want to, I want to, I want to work in Vegas. So it's something that's always been on my radar. I first got called, uh, actually, uh, I got called to do Superhumanity from Cirque. Um, that was the first show, my first Vegas show. And um, it was a, a little tricky because they, when they brought me in, mm -hmm. it was at the 11th hour. So they had been working for over a year on the show. 
and Guy, who was the owner and that like the creator of Cirque was not happy and they let go of their choreographer and I was gonna come in and save the day. So <laughs> when I got there, we had uh, like, you know, 150 artists from all over the world. Yeah. So I was not necessarily the welcomed one because I'm, you know how dancers get close to the choreographer, well, they, they, they fired Deborah Brown, who had been in the Cirque family for so long. And here I was walking in and I'm going to change everything. Mm -hmm. and so it was very weird at first. Like I, it was like, I didn't quite know, like, like how I was going to get this done because we were two weeks away from opening the show for previews when I got there. Two weeks. Two weeks and were you expected to reshape a show or choreograph a new show? Choreograph a new show, but this is how Cirque works is that they open a show and then you keep working on it for however long. Okay. You know what I mean? So I, the show opened and then I kept going back for like six or eight months to continue to work on the show. Okay. It was, it was um, that the artists ended up seeing that I was for them, that I was going to protect them and not, you know, um, whatever they feared, that the fear they saw very quickly on that, that they did not have to do that. So I got very close with the artists. It was not my ideal for me, like, even though I, I knew I had a dream of Vegas, I, I, I'm grateful that I got to do that, to work with Surf it was not the ideal situation because I never felt like it was my show. I did, even though I was recreating, I was recreating on, on ideas that were already formed. Yeah. So I was doing Heather's a musical in New York and it's so weird. I, um, I was sad because they didn't pick up Bunheads and then Heather's came along and kind of healed that. And then Heather's was ending and I, remember I, I was in New York in the theater one of the last days and I had this strange feeling of Vegas like of a desire for Vegas and I came back to LA and one of my friends who's a producer said oh you know Steve Wynn is doing they're doing a new show at the Wynn and th this guy Phil McKinley um who's a big fan of yours is directing it. You should reach out to him. And it was the 4th of July. I think I had a couple glasses of wine. So I, <laughs> I had his number because he, a friend of mine introduced us. And I think he tried to hire me for Spider-Man on Broadway, but I was doing Wonderland at the time. So it didn't work out. And he had called me months before this to do a birthday party for Steve Wynn's wife. But I couldn't do it because I was doing Heather's. Well, this birthday party turned into a show called Showstoppers that Steve did at the win. So I ended up sending him a text. Two days later, he flew in. We had breakfast. Three days later, I'm in Vegas talking about this show. So we put together, we put the show, Showstoppers, and, you know, Steve, oh my God, I love Steve Wynn. Tricky, you wanna please the guy. You don't wanna make him unhappy. 
Um, but he ended up really appreciating us as a creative team because if he didn't like something, I didn't wait. I, while he was there, I jumped up. I said, hold, I would say, give me a second, Steve. And I would jump up and I would change it. I'm like, what, what do you think? And he loved that. So um, one day I was showing him, you know, he kept letting me do new numbers even after the show opened. So I was doing, I was there doing new numbers all the time. I had 48 dancers, I think, and six singers. It was huge. It was a big dance show, song and dance show. And one day I was showing him a new number and he said, Maggie, you wanna, do you want to change La Rev? I hate that show. I want you to, I want you to fix La Rev. And that's how I got La Rev. And so we went in and completely, I completely re-choreographed re the show. And I think I did it in the course because they kept the show running. Yeah. So I think I would, was piecemealing new pieces in. Mm -hmm. um, so I think I had like eight, eight, to eight months or so to do it and um, completely redid it. So the Rev isn't a Cirque show, it's a Steve Wynn show. Um, so that wasn't in the Cirque family. And I loved working with Phil McKinley and there's uh, um, uh, Rick Ray, who is like the head of, uh, of entertainment at the Wynn. Um, we were a very strong creative team and Steve was a great guide. He, you know, he, he knows Vegas, he knows what works. And so I felt like I, like he was the one, I always wanted to work at the Wynn. So I got to do two shows at the Wynn. And I'm very hopeful, you know, that the show goes back, yeah. you know, cause it's really, it's, uh, you know, as things, the longer things stay closed, you know, you just wonder about that. And, and La Rev is such a beautiful show. So I really hope that it, it does get to go back. Now you've worked on, like we said, numerous Austin Powers films. You've worked on Glow, Showstoppers, Behind the Candelabra, obviously Maisel. Is there a period that you would still love to work on and explore? Gosh, I've done so many period things. And executed them so, so well, because it still, it has that Marguerite Derrick's like signature, but it's still, yeah. like, it, it, it's, it's so, richly rooted in like that time period so i was so curious i was like is there anything else you want to take off thank you for saying that because I, I just had to write something up for Maisel, mm -hmm. and that's what i wrote is that i really studied the era but then i heightened it just to give it that you know that thing that um puts my mark on it but also makes it a little bit more exciting yeah um yeah gosh i I'm, I'm always game for anything, you know, like I, you know, maybe something futuristic where I can create my own era, you know, like just might be fun, but yeah, I, I love research. I, I love that. I love, you know, being able to, you know, um, research a, a time and, and bring it to life. I have to ask the creative choreography mind behind Little Miss Sunshine and 13 Going On 30 both of those films, your choreography still, it lives on in social media and even being referenced in other films. And like, I know I've seen it on Jennifer Gardner's Instagram numerous times. It's like taken on its own life and TikTok. Did you know when working on these, like just somehow timelessly suspended pieces, did you know that there was something a little extra special about them? Or did, did that just happen? You know, that was at the time 
when I was hustling and doing two or three movies at a time. When I did 13 going on 30, mm -hmm. I was also shooting Starsky and Hutch and Johnson Family Vacation and working, I think, on uh, Fashion Rocks in New York. So I was just doing the work. And I'm, that's why I kind of like where I am now because like with Maisel, I take it all in. Like I literally, I swear, and I remember even when I started La Rev, I used to walk through the theater and just breathe it in. Um, that was a time I was like on such a hustle and I was creating that I didn't really stop to, to think about what it could be or what it might be. Um, I just always, you know, tried to do my best work. I think I learned early on after showgirls and striptease that I could only do my best and then it's up to the audience and the critics on how they want to receive it yeah. um I'm grateful and you know for me like Little Miss Sunshine was really special because um I remember Jonathan and Val the directors calling me mm -hmm. and they were before we did the movie and they're like they were worried because they didn't know how they were going to make this dance shock people because they were going to all of these little competitions with the little girls, which was shocking. And it was my idea after reading the script, I said, well, plus I had, you know, done two strip movies, but I said to them, I said, you know, if her grandfather is a heroin addict and he's the one who teaches her her routine, I would imagine he goes to strip clubs and they credited me for that, for helping to end the movie because they didn't know how to end the movie. And it was because of me having this little girl strip, she didn't know she was stripping. So when she was doing the whole tie thing and all of those moves, she was just doing what grandpa taught her. She didn't realize how, what she was doing and the innocence of it and how the family had to come to her defense. Um, so it was just, that one is really special to me because I know that I helped them to get over that, that ending hump that they couldn't really figure out. And I think that as choreographers, we're, you know, we have an opportunity to be kind of like definitely part of the storytelling, right? And almost like writers in a way. So that, that one is really special to me for that reason. And I didn't expect it to be as big as it was, but I remember when my agent said, you know, I, we have a script, Little Miss Sunshine, and it's about, and I'm like, I don't want to do a, like a movie about, you know, kids at a competition. And when I read the script, it, I was just like, oh my God, it was the most, the, the, the most amazing script. I was like, I have to do this. It, so I did know it was a special project. Absolutely. And honestly, I can't imagine it ending any other way. Oh, thanks. There are some choreographers that are they're simply to to create beautiful work and they, they they do what they are hired to do and there's something about your choreography that is just it's storytelling that's very complimentary it supports the script and it supports the actors but it it's still it's it's you contribute i don't know it's it's, it's hard to put into words but I, I followed your work for years and i've just always respected the way that your choreography is of service to the ultimate project and elevates it Further still, and also you're doing really great projects too. So that yeah, I, 
been very blessed that way, but thank you. I, I, I really appreciate that. And it's so lovely to talk to someone that feels that way. And sometimes it's, it's weird to answer questions about dance if, it, if somebody doesn't really know about it. Yeah. You know? They really don't like, and I love that you recognize the beauty of Maisel because, you know, there's some scenes, you know, that people look at and they go, I didn't even, what did you do in that? You know what I mean? There's so much, but I get it. Like they don't see triple turns and kicks and all of that stuff. So it's, it's all good. I, I, I know what I'm bringing to the project and, um, you know, Amy and, and Dan and the, the whole Amazon team, you know, they know what I bring and it's, it's, and then, then there's someone lovely like you that recognizes it all. And that's all that really matters. I would challenge those people that ask, what did you do to watch Maisel with all of the movement removed? And they would see a very different show. <laughs> Thank you. How have you seen dance and choreography change and gain respect over the years? Um, with the like explosion of Dancing with the Stars, World of Dance, Do You Think You Can Dance? Um, it's become much more mainstream. I mean, I, I grew up and pretty much the only thing was like Star Search that was on where you, you saw dancers in like that competition space. And now dance is much more in people's homes. Have you seen it change or influence the amount that productions want to involve and incorporate dance into their projects? Or how have you seen it change? Well, yes, certainly, you know, um, and I, I've, in my career, I've seen the rise and the fall and the rise and the fall, right? Uh, there's times, like I remember MTV, when the, the video stations first all started, you know, and, and they were spending millions of dollars on those videos. You know, it was like, it was huge. And then it went through a lull. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, this has been a, this has been a, we've been on this really high place for a long, long time now because it is so you know like all of these dance shows on tv where the focus is on the dance yeah so i think it really you know it, it's it's made you know uh people focus on the choreographer where maybe they haven't before mm -hmm. because like so you think and on dancing with the stars say they highlight the choreographers yeah. so it's really given people that education to how it all happens yeah uh, it also <laughs> makes everybody think they know how it happens. And sometimes <laughs> that's a bit of a pain too. You know, it used to be great. Like I, you know, cause everybody always, I used to think uh, back in the day when I was doing all those movies, nobody really had a whole lot to say to me cause they didn't know what to say to me. Right. They always thought they knew music. So I used to feel sorry for the music department because everybody thinks they know music. Um, now people are, are, uh, thinking they know dance more and I'm, I'm happy for that but yeah it's it's definitely it's put dance in the mainstream and it's been there for quite a while now and it, it's a lovely thing with the emmys coming up it's it's nice that they have now even broadened the choreography category into a scripted and reality competition a category so that it's it is acknowledging that they are different aspects of choreography because the, the machine that is running that is you know so you think you can dance or dance with the stars. That's, that is not what any dancer that grew up was used to. That's, that's not that world. Right. And I, I love that they did separate the categories because it's so different what we do for scripted as opposed to what you do for reality. Um, so that, that was, I, that was really nice that that happened. Um, and there's just so much choreography that it, it you know, it's, it's just nice that they're acknowledging 
The last question that we ask everyone on the podcast, what is one thing you wish you could go back and tell your younger self? A couple of things. Don't worry, be happy. But don't look at anybody else's lane but your own. Mm. Everybody has a path. Everybody is going to reach their successes in their own time. So you can't be looking to the right and left at what somebody else is doing. Just keep your eye on your path. Because if you do that and you really believe on your path, you will reach your successes. It just might be a different timing than somebody else's. Yeah, because I remember seeing, you know, when I was doing my indie music videos and other people were doing Michael Jackson and Janet Jackson and Prince. And I remember feeling bad, like I was being left out and right around the corner was my movie career. You know what I mean? So we have to trust our path and just keep your eye on your own path. And there's enough for everybody. Be happy for everybody, but just keep your eye on your own path. Margaret, I can't tell you how much I have enjoyed this. It has just been so lovely to talk to you and hear these amazing stories. So thank you so much for being generous with me. You are lovely, lovely, lovely. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. And to my guest today, Marguerite Derricks. If you'd like to learn more about Marguerite, you can find her on Instagram. I hope her incredible stories inspire Adele's creativity. Now more than ever, we need to keep dreaming and looking ahead. Thanks for listening. I'm Laura Linda Bradley, and this is What's My Frame.